Here we uncover the traditions that are working for successful parents. For the parents who are ready to do things differently but aren't sure how, go to wandahoward.com and download my free blueprint. It will help you create the difference you've been looking for and enable your kids to be emotionally healthy and confident throughout their lives. Now is the time to start doing things differently. Welcome back, everyone, to the Successful Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Wanda Howard. Today, we have with us Rick Ornelius. Is that how you say that? Close. (laughs) Ornelius. Ornelius. Okay. I have got to get better at remembering to ask people how they say their last name. That is like my weak point. And anybody here listening knows that I always forget (laughs) how to pronounce the last name. So welcome, Rick. And we're so glad to have you here to introduce you to everybody. I want everybody to know Rick has done incredible things. Before we hopped on the show, he was telling me a little bit about his life, and I'm really excited for this conversation, but he is a coach for those who want to get through those roadblocks and make real change in their life, make real impact in the world, and create the difference that they're looking for in their family life and in their professional life as well. So welcome, Rick. I'm excited to dive into all the experiences that you have. Oh, thank you so much, Juan. It's a pleasure to be on your show. I've been uh, looking forward to our conversation. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more. Why did you get into the coaching world? It's interesting because coaching has really blown up in the past few years. And I've connected with, oh my gosh, so many coaches <laughs> around the world over the past couple of years. And I, even though I had been involved in coaching when I was younger, so for example, when I when I was in college, I, I went back to my high school and coached uh, and um, did a little coaching back at, my, at, back at my high school. And then as I became a little older in sports or coaching my daughter's you know, teams when they were younger, it was always like athletic based, right? Or sports based. Um, it, I never really saw that I would be some kind of a coach. I mean, I had that kind of bug to do coaching, to do consulting, to do that kind of work. But when I was in school and in college and everything, I was always in a hurry. I wanted to finish fast. I wanted to get out there, start making money, start working, do everything so quickly that I, I didn't really take the time to, to uh, figure out exactly what path I was going to, to take. Yeah. And so I ended up going into starting my career in sales. And but after learning a lot and moving up, kind of from sales to management, and everything. Then I moved into training and development and like corporate training and corporate development. And that's where I really started to kind of um, develop those coaching skills because I luckily I was working for a large Fortune 100 company that invested you know tens of thousands of dollars into training to train me how to how to coach people and to train them in all different areas. And that's where I was like, man, I really enjoy this. You know, I, I really enjoyed that. And I did that for a little while. And then I, I was fortunate enough to join a couple startup companies and I took different roles in those startup companies from executive VP of marketing to CEO. And in that time period, I learned so much more than I had learned coaching about entrepreneurship, about business, about leadership, communication, so many different areas. And it was that time that I kind of immersed myself in personal development and and started doing a lot more reading and and um, and following some of the personal development gurus, <laughs> you know, like Jim yeah. Rohn or some of these these old school guys, Zig Ziglar. And 
And that's when, when uh, I was working for one of the start, working with one of the startups, you know, helping grow one of the startups and we had grown it so quickly. We kind of took off like a rocket and we grew from um, $1.5 million to 25 million in 18 months. And then what happened is we came crashing down like a rocket that shoots oh, no. straight up like a bottle rocket. We, we came crashing down. And so after that, I was like, what am I going to do now? And that's where I said, you know what? I think I have the ability to coach others. I, I think I've learned so much in the past few years between the corporate training and the startups and, and all the development that I was like, I have a lot of, um, of skills that I can teach others. And so that's why I started my own. I, I said, I'm not going to work for anyone else. And in December of 2015, I said, I'm going to start, I'm going to start my own coaching and consulting business. And that's what I did seven years ago. <laughs> that's amazing. And I think it's safe to say one of the reasons why going into entrepreneurship and being part of these startup companies, why that was so much more educational is because you're getting your education on the ground. Like you're actually having to do the actions. Do you agree with that? Oh, 100%. And it's funny because it reminds me of a story one time where I was, um, initially my coaching business was with healthcare entities, doctors, laboratories, that startup was a laboratory. And so I had come out of that space. And so I had people in the lab space contacting me that wanted coaching and consulting. And I remember your question, it completely reminds me of a story, Wanda. So I had gone to this laboratory that was owned by two physicians. Okay. And they were brothers. And one of them was, um, actually one was like, uh, his, his background was more of the technical side, right? He, he not, not the, the medical side. And then the other one, was not only an MD, and I think he was a cardiologist, but he was also had a um, an MBA. He had gone to some prestigious, he had gone to his MBA, some prestigious school. I don't remember, it was like Ivy League school or something like that. He's gone to his MBA, some prestigious school. And um, I realized, I quickly realized that they had a lot of issues with their business. They needed a lot of help. And as I went in there and, and evaluated things and shared a lot, he said, oh, all these things that you're sharing, these are things that I, I I just learned, you know, in my MBA. And I'm like, yeah, well, I learned them in life. Like I learned them in, in real life. And, you know, it it took him a minute to to kind of, and I don't, I don't say this in vain, but it's just to make your point. He, you know, at first he said, he was like, well, you know, but I, I went to Harvard, you know, and, and so I got my MBA, but then he realized he's like, wait, there's real value in going through, you know, school of hard knocks, so to speak. Right. And, and learning it the hard way and learning it through life. And, you know, he, he opened up after that and saw that, you know, the things that I had learned were far more valuable than what he could read in a textbook. Yeah. And it's so true when we can do all the studying in the world, but just like I've heard so many times people say you can study and study on how to swim but if you never actually get in the water you it won't do you any good and so yeah for sure (laughs) yeah and so another thing that you said too that really stands out to me is you talked about this huge rise in the company and then the huge crash afterwards and that crash so often we think there's no growth in the comfort zone i there's so many people that say this and i honestly disagree because the fact that you had that crash, you started looking for your comfort. You started looking like, where can I grow? Where can I start doing that 
fills me. And when you identified that, that's when the everything changed. That's when you were able to like really succeed forward by chasing that true comfort that comes from the fulfillment that we were born to make in this world. So I love, love that example. What, what would you say um, was your biggest lesson in creating that startup company? So many people right now, like you said, the world is saturated with coaches. So what was that like to really start standing out on your own? It, well, first, I want to say I, I I love your perspective on that growth in the comfort zone. I've never heard anyone put it that way. I've never heard anyone um, articulate that you know your the growth happens when you start seeking comfort in in a new way. So that yeah, I I completely love that, Wanda. Thank you for sharing that. And I would say for me, the the biggest things that um, that I learned were, um, you know, when I went out on my own, I, I think you're, I just want to clarify, you're asking when I went out on my own, right? Not, not, yeah. not when I was, you know, when I, when we, we kind of crashed and burned <laughs> in, the, in the partnership, <laughs> in the company. But when I went out on my own, the, the biggest thing I learned was that success is hard. Success is hard. Success takes so much work. And I had to learn that lesson the hard way. So as I said, when I had, worked in the lab space. And so when I decided I had a bunch of people contact, as soon as we we shut down our laboratory, our company, I had a bunch of people contacting me wanting to hire me. And I said, I'm not going to work for someone else. So the, my very first client, I said, look, I'll come in as a consultant and I'll build out your marketing and I'll help you with your structure and all these types of things, but I'm going to do it as a consultant, not as a coach. Okay. So I found my first client right away. And then I found another similar client right away. And these two were very lucrative clients. Okay. They were paying me very, very well, these two clients. So one, the old saying of don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? That that okay. comes to mind. But but number two is I took that for granted. And yes, I served them. Yes, I helped them grow. Yes, I, I gave them what they needed. But I took them right away because they threw a bunch of money at me and said, Hey, come and help us. And I didn't do any sort of evaluation. I just like, Oh, I'll do it. Well, within 10 months, I had to fire them both. They were both wow. gone because I got to the point where the aggravation was not worth the compensation that they were being so difficult. And, and one of them especially was just, you know, calling me at all hours of the night and wanted this and wanted that. And, and was just, um, being unreasonable that I said, calling me on vacation, you know, my, I was on an anniversary trip with my wife and calling us on vacation outside the country. And I was like, look, and so I, I fired them both. And that's where I learned that it was going to be really, really difficult because another big client didn't come right away. And I went through like a year of having to pull money out of retirement to live on and struggling and trying to figure out what my business was. And so I guess the lesson Wanda out of all of this would be if someone is starting something, I would say, put some time into figuring out what it's going to look like, how, who you're going to coach, how you're going to serve them, how you're, and this, these are things that I coach people on now, what your business is going to look like and where you're going to find your clients and all these things that I didn't think of any of those things. I'm just like, hey, I'm going to be a consultant and a coach and I'm just going to go for it. 
And then it came so easy to start that I was like, oh, this is no, there's no big deal. But then I had to learn all that for like a year plus. And so I wouldn't, you know, say anyone out there that's listening that put in all that time ahead, you know, up front and it'll pay dividends later for sure. And this idea that you got the two people right off the bat and you took that for granted, how easy it was to get clients that then when you had to fire them, I'm sure there was so much resistance right there at that point where you're like, if I fire them, I don't know where my next ones are coming from. I don't know what's going to happen next, but you knew that, like you said, um, it wasn't worth the compensation, all of the aggravation that they were putting you through. So what, what was it then for you? Like, I really want to help people because whether you're starting out your business, whether you're going taking things to the next level, whether you're creating something new inside of your business, a new product or anything, there's always these points of resistance that we come in contact with. And there's so many things linking us and pulling us and trying to make us not change, trying to make us not do it differently because of the false comfort, not the true comfort. And so what is it that allowed you to make that leap? I'd say I got to that that initial leap is because I got to that to that breaking point. And it 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 didn't happen like right away. So probably with that first client, and that was that one was, you know, paying me the most, paying me double what the other client was, and um, you know, five figures a month to to help them in their business. Um after about eight months, I was like, man this is just becoming, he's becoming unreasonable, becoming so difficult, becoming, you know, just um, unreasonable to work with, right? It was just too difficult to work with. But then I was like, but what about the money? Like, what are you going to do? How are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to pay your mortgage? You know, that other voice, you got like the two voices. Uh And so then I was like, okay, we'll go for another month. Okay. And then, so I mentioned how he contacted me on vacation. That was at, at about nine months. My wife and I are in, you know, 20th anniversary. We're in Thailand and he contacts me and, and like begs me to, I had, I had told him, you know, no, I I'm, I'm leaving before, right before I went on vacation and I said, nope, we're done. And then calls me begging. And so I was like, well, this trip is kind of expensive. So, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll work for him for another month. So then I worked for another month and I regret that because I, you know, not that I was taking advantage of him because I did put in work and, and did, you know, give him the time and everything, but I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. I was just doing it for, for the money. And, and so it was after that point that I realized I'm like, okay, you're, you're better than this. You know, your, your morals say that you, that it's not worth it. it. It's not, no amount of money is worth the aggravation that you're getting. And it was having an effect on, you know, my relationships with my wife, my family, you know, it was just the stress. I'm not a very stressful person. I don't, I don't usually get stressed, but I was very stressed at that point, you know, probably maybe more so than I'd ever been in my life. Cause I, like I said, I, I rarely get stressed. And I, that's where I was like, okay, this is just, this is not, you're not who you are. You're not being who you are. And that's probably the, you know, the biggest tipping point because I wasn't being true to myself. Yeah. Well, that's incredible though, that you stay true to yourself through that. Cause a lot of people can go so far down the rabbit hole that they, they lose themselves. And I love that you brought your family into it of the stress that it was when we have these stressors inside of our professional life, it inevitably affects our family as well. So I want to dive in a little bit now on 
what that dynamic has looked like as your business has grown, your kids have grown, your daughters are now out of the house. So what was the key to you for your success and being able to find that balance between creating a successful business that supports you comfortably and very well with your family, but also creating a successful family environment at home? I'd say the biggest thing that has helped me accomplish that. And and honestly, you know how you're, you kind of go against the grain of saying there's no growth in the comfort zone. You know, I'll, I'll agree with one of my mentors um, who says that, that there's really no true balance to life because we, we end up putting, we put so much effort in one area at one time. And then we put another effort in another area at another time that it's never truly balanced, right? That you might be focused on work for, you know, 30 days here. And then you've got to, you're focused on your family for, for something else over here. And so I, I, I agree with him in that component. However, I do believe that, um, that time is the more important component than balance, right? The time is the most important component. And I actually wrote a, wrote a, um, uh, an online article about, you know, time being the, the most, uh, single most valuable word in the, in the, in our English language. Um, because what I what I realized over the years in being an entrepreneur, being on my own, even even when I was like working for the startup and everything, what I what I realized is that the biggest barometer of how I was how successful I was being in work or in my relationships with my family was a direct variable of time of how much time I was putting in and effort. Right. Because it's one thing to just, you know, spend an hour with someone and not be be with them. Right. Not be present you know, because your body is there doesn't mean that you're present. But that that presence of of time of being with the individual. And so what I'd say what has helped me is a constant awareness of that time and being present, the presence and the time with those individuals, whether it's work or, or whether it's home. And it's not easy. I mean, I've gone through when I first started the business and like, for example, when I had those two clients, super stressed, not spending time with my family, focusing all on work, working, you know, 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day. Even when I started iSpark Change a couple of years ago, grow, 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 spending, you know, working from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. in my office, which luckily is at home. So, you know, there's no travel involved, but but not being as focused on my kids, not being as focused on my wife and everything. But what I would do is when I was with them, they had my full attention. So for example, I never missed one of my, my youngest daughter's basketball games. Not one. I think one, cause we were out of, we were out of town on a, on a, a trip that had already been planned, but, but went to every one of her games, home games, away games or every, because even though, Yes, I'd be working 10 hours a day, but no, that's important. That's something that's important to my family. Um, and so I, I guess I would say for anyone that is seeking that balance, quote unquote balance, is to just be cognizant of the time that they're spending and then the quality time. Um, yeah. And just as one quick little last example, um, uh Today, as we're recording this this episode, you know, I don't, I'm not sure exactly when it airs, but today as we're recording this episode, you know, it's the mid late afternoon where I live, and um, my wife got a, got home a little early, so she got home around one o'clock, and 
yes, I had stuff on my calendar. I had some work to do. Um, I had worked all morning and had some other things to do before this interview. But she got home early. So I said, okay, we're going to go spend some quality time. We're going to go spend a couple hours of quality time because that's a gift that she happened to come home early. And so, you know, I'll accept that gift and we'll spend some quality time. And, you know, the work's still going to be there. So I'll, I'll make it up later. But, but the me of five years ago or seven years ago might not have made that decision, right? Might not have been aware of, hey, I should go spend some quality time with her and might have just, you know, stayed in the office working. Yeah. And this is so good. I want to dive into time management a little bit more because one, when some people get uh, hung up on time, it stresses them out that things get even worse because they're like, I, I can't do this and I can't do this. And what, how do I spend my time? And, and other people get so fixated on it that if, if they feel like they're budgeting out their time appropriately, but somebody else feels neglected, they're like, well, you shouldn't because I'm doing this all right. <laughs> so I want to go over a little bit of um let's identify for our listeners the difference between just being aware of time and understanding that there is enough time. If if we're so fixated on how do I spend my time? I should do this, I should do that at this when we do that it's so chaotic. But if we realize there are 24 hours in the day and you can choose how you're going to spend that. Like there is enough time to eat breakfast. There is enough time to go to work. There's enough time to do like when you focus on there is enough time, then it, it takes away that stressor that uh, you're talking about of um, going to work, spending all day, like 10 hour days if you need to, but then coming home and having the energy to be with your family because you know, there is enough time, you know, that there's 24 hours. It's not, it's not that this day is somehow shorter than the last. So is there anything that you want to add to that, that would help clarify time management? Oh, sure. Yeah. And this is, this is a big focus of, of, of my coaching with individuals because it's something that I had to learn and that I struggled with as well. What I think happens with most people, and this happened with me is that most people waste time. Most people waste time and they think that busyness is some badge of honor that they, oh, I'm so busy. Oh, yeah, today was, oh, man, I was swamped today. Today was so busy. And I did that exact same thing. But if you and and then you would look back at what did I really accomplish during that day? And you're like, man, I hardly did squat. Like I, I you know, I was supposed to do 10 things and I did one. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, how was I busy all, all day? Right. And I was fortunate enough when I was in the corporate world to go through this cra- this training called uh, Take Back Your Life. And it was about time management and, and there was components of using Outlook and everything. And the individual that did the training, he became one of my mentors and he's still a friend and mentor to this day uh, because I valued so much what, what he taught me. But the reality is exactly how, as you were saying, Wanda, is that there's plenty of time for all of us to accomplish everything we want. It's just, a, it's more a matter of focus and presence in that time. So as I was saying with the family, that presence and that focus on that time, you can spend an hour with someone of focused and present time, and it feels like you spent the whole day with them. Yeah. Or you can do um, an hour or two hours of focused work at 4 a.m. when there's no distractions and 
you accomplish what someone else takes eight hours or 16 hours to accomplish during their week. Right. And so the biggest recommendation is that I could give to others. And again, this is stuff that I train people on is allocate your time accordingly. So yes, have block things on your calendar. My calendar is full. My calendar is full of, you know, blocks of time where I'm going to write or where I'm going to study something or do a training or coach, you know, the, the hours I coach people, just different things like that. It's, it is full. Yes, it's all full, but I don't get obsessive to the point that I say, oh, well, um, well, because I have all these things like, oh my gosh, it's so much that I have to accomplish all these things and I'm never going to get it done and everything and, and kind of freak out about the time management thing. I just know that if I focus on, if I can do a focus and I do what's, I do the practice, the Pomodoro technique, if you're familiar, which I'm a not lot of familiar with that. So the Pomodoro technique is um, where the original Pomodoro I think is 25 minutes, but you can do 25 minutes or 45 minutes or, or 90 minutes, uh, but where you take um, a block of time and then you, you turn off all distractions, you focus. There's even uh, people on like TikTok that will do group, Pomodoros. My daughter would do homework with these people that would do group Pomodoros where they set a timer, all distractions off, and you do focus work for that block of time. And, and so I will schedule those throughout my day. I'll schedule those throughout my day where I'll have these blocks of time where, you know, phone goes on, do not disturb all the notifications are well, all the notifications on my computer are always off, but phone goes on, do not disturb. Um, and then I will focus uninterrupted. And so what you do, so let's say you work for 25 minutes, you work for 25 minutes, then you take a five minute break, you stretch, you get some water, whatever, and then you come back and then you do it again. And then you do it again and you do it again. You do that three, four, you know, times per day, that focus time, you'll find that focus and present time on what you're working on. You'll find that you'll get as much accomplished as people get accomplished in a whole day. Um, and so the biggest thing is the focus and the presence and, and the, I'd say with that, the lack of distractions, Yeah. because, you know, if you're working on something and then your phone goes off and and you, you pick it up and then you (laughs) start reading a message and then you go back research shows. And I, I'm just belaboring the point because, um, you know, I think it's beneficial for your audience research shows that it takes an average of three to 11 minutes to get back to the point of where you were left off like (laughs) mentally and and psychologically and physically. So let's say you're in the middle of writing something and then you take it to go do a distraction and then you come back and then you're like, where was I? And what was I? And to get that thought back, it may be 10 minutes that you just wasted. Um, Yeah. This is so so interesting, especially with like, so being able to have your focus, that makes total sense. But then you specifically said after that block of time, go do something else. So that sounds like putting a distraction in. And the way that my brain works, hearing you say that, it's like, oh my goodness, parenting is so cool because kids are our built-in time blockers of where we have our focus moment and then they will come in and they will let you know when it's time to like just stretch, get up, get a drink of water because they're built into our lives that way. And so often mm-hmm. we see them as that um, that constant distraction, but we could actually use their distraction to be that time blocker for us to start moving our blood again, start getting up and stretching so that our brain can have fuller capacity. Does that seem to stand true with what you're teaching? 
Yeah, that, that's a great point. And when when my kids were still in the house, you know, a few years back, um, and even even now, so e- even now, um, one of one of my daughters, my middle daughter, Kinsey, she lives very close by. She lives like five minutes down the road and she'll pop in all the time and, you know, want to talk about something from work or whatever. And so that's my OK, let me let me turn off my timer. Let me pause this. Let me go out. OK, let's talk. Let's do everything and then, and then um, come back or, you know, or call or something like that. If it comes through when I'm not in one of those those blocks of time um, and you can I even have a friend that has trained her children to be like the timer like you said so that they know that hey when mommy's doing those um and uh, she calls them jam sessions when mommy's doing those jam sessions you you can't interrupt but then when the timer goes off ooh, then free game right you can come in you can interrupt and everything and so it's like a this playful game for her little one when she can yeah when she can get the time and and you know her little one loves it um, and that it works for her. Wow. I love, love finding out traditions like this that we can start using in our life. I think one of the most valuable things that we often miss is like, we think that distractions are bad, like the phone or like, we cannot have distractions and all these things. But the truth is, it's not that it's bad. It's that it makes things more difficult. You can do it all you want, but you're going to be less productive. You can keep the notifications on all you want, but it's just going to be a different way of spending your time. If you want to be more productive, then utilize those um, distractions or notifications in blocks of time that are more productive for you. It's not a it's not a matter of you're doing a bad job. It's how are you going to use the tools that you have. This I yeah, love ex- exactly love exactly. And and a lot of people say, you know, there's there's gurus that'll say, oh yeah, um, you can't, you know, you gotta not touch your phone, right? Put it, put it away, put it in a, in a locked box, whatever. But I use my phone to journal. I use my phone yeah. to, to, um, uh, write my gratitude in my phone. And I use my phone for scripture. And there's so many things that I use it for that. It's a usable tool. If you use it the right way and everyone's mm-hmm. definition of right is different, you know, that's what works for me. Yep. I love that. So now I want to ask you right now, what is your biggest concern for your kids, for the future generation right now, what's your biggest worry that you want to make sure that you address yourself, but also that the world is more cognitive? Wow. That is such an incredible question. <laughs> that is such an incredible question. Juan. I love that question. Um, and it, and it's, it's a big question. I would say for, for my kids, well, and just the world in general is that, they they do what they love that they create that purpose in their life that fulfilled life and that life that's that's filled with purpose and passion and abundance and that they don't just kind of go with the status quo or go with the flow or you know stay with that little comfortable bubble um that uh that most people stay you know stay within that they you know, experience everything they can and, and that their, that the life, their life is just filled with incredible experiences. And, um, and I think as a parent, you know, we've, we tried to do that or we still try to do it, but, but that we tried to do that when our kids were young, you know, giving them different experiences and exposing them to different things. And, you know, now that, as you mentioned, that our 
kids are all out of the house as of recently, me and my wife are doing that together, right? We're doing exploring that in our relationship, you know, to go have new experiences and, and try different things. And, and so that would be my big wish for, for anyone really, you know, my kids and anyone is that they would just experience all life has to offer and, you know, just not, not live in that bubble, but, but yeah. go out there and try anything they can. And it's so, it's such a good gift to wish for people to experience. I think so many times people feel like there's this overwhelming expectation from outside sources saying they need to be more productive. They need to be focused on their business more. They need to be doing all of these things that they are, but they shouldn't ever forget about the experiences that are had in this world. They need to enjoy themselves too. So that is a beautiful, beautiful perspective. 100%. And so what right now for those parents who are, they're scaling in their business, they have amazing products and things, but they are leveling up. They're taking things to the next level and they have little kids. They have uh, amazing ideas and dreams that they want for their family. What can they do right now? Would you, what would be your biggest advice looking back on all the experiences that you had to enable them to do that with confidence? Wow. I, I would say is to, you know, some of the things we talked about, I would say the biggest thing that they can do with confidence is if they know that they're on the right path, that they know in their heart that they're living their purpose, as I just said, and they're, they're doing what they feel is their, their passion and their, and, um, you know, their drive then to go all into that. Don't dip a toe and say, oh, I'm just going to try this and, and, you know, see if it works, but go in and, and do it with everything you have and work your butt off. Cause it's going to be hard, right? Work your, work your <laughs> tail off, but, but do it with, um, with that drive and that passion that you are, um, that you're doing it for yourself and your family, right? That you're doing it for yourself and your family and that you want to create a better future for them. And that's, that's what will keep people motivated. That's what, you know, has kept me motivated. I've done everything that I've worked on throughout my life has always been for my family. And, um, and so many people that I work with, you know, that's their motivating factor. And so I'd say just, you know, dive in and, and go for it completely. Yeah. Love that. Just like riding a bike. If you only put one foot on the pedal, you're not ever going to learn how. So you got to yeah. go on. <laughs> yeah. So, Great analogy. <laughs> <laughs> one more question for those who are listening that are so ready to jump into what you do and they love um, the stories that they've heard and they've connected with you and they want to connect further. Where's the best place for them to go? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, they can go to two places. They can go to my name, rickornellis.com. Um, that's, they'll find out about, um, my coaching or who I am or speaking, um, or my book, or, um, if they're interested in some positivity, some motivation, some inspiration, then they can, um, check out I spark change, the letter I, and then sparkchange.com on our website or on any social media platform. So we have a very active Instagram, a big community, worldwide community, of people are of followers on Instagram, YouTube channel, TikTok. I mean, we're on all platforms for iSpark Change, and um, they can you know join our community. We put out a monthly newsletter if they go online, 
um, or just go to Instagram and, and see the inspiration and the and the positive content that we put every day. Oh, incredible. And I will definitely include those links too in the show notes. So everybody listening, be sure to check that out. Don't miss this opportunity to work with Rick. This is an incredible conversation and I can tell already that he has so much that he can help you with. So definitely go and check that out and we will see you all next time. Thank you, Rick, for joining us. Thank you so much, Wanda. Thank you again for being a part of our podcast family and for the difference you are making right now in the world and in the walls of your own home. If you're wanting to support parents everywhere, you can do that by leaving a rate and review. This helps so many find connection and answers they are searching for. Also, don't forget to go to WandaHoward.com and get your own free parenting blueprint. I love you all and we will see you next time.